Ladies and gentlemen, this is your places call. All right, everybody, back to one. Stand by lights one and sound one. Camera speeding. Audio speeding. Lights and sound. Go. And action. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Pretend World's Real People. As always, I am Tyler, and Steph is taking a little break from this week because she is managing a theater production down in Denver. So we're super happy for her, but you are stuck with my awkward butt. <laughs> That's okay. We're going to have a lot of fun for this episode because I had the chance to talk to somebody that I have learned so much from in the last year. You know, during COVID when everything was shut down, I didn't have a whole lot to do acting wise. I took some classes and I wrote a couple of scripts, but watching his videos helped me just really sit into where this industry is going and how we can sort of, I hate to say the word, but how we can pivot towards adjusting to production life after COVID and how all those changes would really, uh, really just affect our uh, our approach to the craft. So not only does he run the incredible YouTube page called the Acting Career Center, but he is a successful actor in his own right. Kurt Yu is this week's guest, and you may have seen him in so many things. I can scroll through his IMDb and touch a finger to one title, and I'm sure you would recognize him right away. You may have seen him in The Haunting of Hill House, in Cobra Kai, in Insatiable, uh, he had a part in Greenland. He also had a really fun part in Black Widow that was taken out in post, unfortunately. So definitely check out his YouTube video covering that because it's really interesting to hear. My heart was breaking for him, but he still got the chance to work on a Marvel film. So without any further delay, let's jump right into the interview. My talk with Kurt Yu. Kurt, thank you so much for being on uh, Pretend Worlds Real People. You're somebody I've been wanting to get on for a while. Uh, for those who may not know of your name or know of your face, can you tell our listeners who you are and what you do? Yeah, Tyler, thanks for uh, having me. This is uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, it's great to meet you. Uh, and, it's good to meet um, you. <laughs> I, uh, so I am an actor. I've been an actor for, I guess, about 13 years now, if we're just counting all the way to the first day that I took acting classes. Um, but I, I think I would say that I've been acting more or so, more or less professionally or being serious about it for the last uh, five years or so, basically since I moved to Atlanta. Um, so before that, I was a software developer. So, you know, I, I think everybody in this industry probably on the acting side and probably on the uh, the the directing or writing or crew side of things, I think everybody has their own unique path of how they found their way into the industry. And, and I definitely have a unique one as well. I didn't really like kind of grow up dreaming of becoming an actor. It just kind of came into my life in an interesting way. Um, so that's, that's where I am now. So now I'm uh, working full-time as an actor here in Atlanta, Georgia, and in, Loving it here. Yeah, it's it, just looking at your IMDb, uh, you know, last night, even this morning to, to catch up on everything. It seems like you you blew up around 2017 when, you know, these projects were released. So you moved to Atlanta in probably 2016, right? Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, uh, 2016, <laughs> August, uh, I think it was. OK. Um, so, yeah, it was actually my five year anniversary earlier this month of uh, coming down to Atlanta and I didn't really know what to expect, you know, coming down here. It, I, I was the only person that I knew 
that moved down to Atlanta to pursue acting. I was very naive to the industry down here prior to coming down. Um, I had friends that had moved to New York. I had friends that moved to LA and knowing those markets and how, you know, how saturated it is with actors and how much of a struggle it is just to, you know, get the ball rolling. Um, And then as far as like just the cost of living in the city, right. Of, uh, trying to trying to just live in the city and, and make rent and all those things it, it makes it a little bit more difficult so um i knew atlanta was a little bit cheaper to live in that's what kind of um attracted me to this place but then as far as the market goes i you know i i didn't know what to really expect and even my agents when i came down uh i kind of had a basically from ohio i had a demo reel that was all commercials commercials and corporate videos and that type of stuff. Right. And when I submitted to my agents, that's what I submitted. And that's what got me signed was my commercial work. And I kind of expected to do a lot of more of that when I got to Atlanta and maybe try to ease my way into the film and television side of things. And even like recently I had a conversation with my agents here and they, they said the same thing. They thought that I would kind of, uh, do more commercially and uh, maybe slowly transition into film and TV, but it was like the exact opposite. I haven't done too much commercial work at all here in Atlanta. I don't know why, because there is a good amount of commercials that film here, but uh, but my film and TV stuff just took off right from the get-go, it felt like. Um, so there's really, it, it's it's hard to, you know, figure out what the uh what the rhyme or reason was but uh i'm happy about it i definitely can't complain yeah i it almost seems like it's it's an inverted journey that you've had going down there you know if you start with commercial you're gonna go with commercial what was the first i guess what was the first project you were cast in that wasn't a commercial having moved to atlanta that you just thought all right well maybe this is a start did you did you think it was a start of something new or what did you think it was more of a uh you know, this is the one project out of five years we'll be able to, you know, be seen on something other than like daytime TV. It it was, it was weird because you know at that at that point when you first book something, um, you have yeah, like you said, you got got kind of mixed feelings at first. You're like, all oh, right, this is the beginning of you know everything, and at the same time, part of it, part of part of us actors, I think in the back of our heads always, it's like, well, this is the last thing I'll ever book. Uh, Right. And I think that that goes for everybody. I just had a conversation with my, one of my friends and he was talking about, I can't remember the actor he was uh, mentioning, but he said that he eavesdropped on a conversation on set between these like really well-known working actors, right. Who have been leads in TV shows and movies. And and he heard one of them saying like, oh, I'm just not getting auditions and I'm not like, I'm not working and it's crazy. And, it, and it's like that, I guess that mentality just like never goes away. <laughs> you, you just always kind of have that uh, feeling in the back of your head. But but to answer your question, it's kind of a crazy story. When I first uh, decided to come down to Atlanta, uh, I met a couple people that were from here that told me about the city. So I decided to uh, make a visit. So in 2015, I came down here, uh, visited the city to check it out. I also, at that time, tried to set up some meetings while I was in town with any agents. Right, So I submitted to them uh, online prior to coming in, and a couple got back to me. So the agency that I ended up signing with, which is who I'm currently still with now, um, I told them that 
uh, I'll be moving to Atlanta in the next five or six months or so. Um, but since it is a heavily self-tape market, the whole Southeast is very much a self-tape market, even before the pandemic. Oh, wow. Um, uh, they said that they would, you know, they would send me auditions to self-tape while I was still living in Ohio uh, until I moved down here, um, which was my, my hope uh, all along. So uh, I think it was early 2016. Um, I got an audition for this show called Shots Fired in on Fox, and it was a new show a mini series i didn't there was not too much information about it yeah. when i auditioned so uh i had taped i taped an audition for this lawyer role and i sent it in and then after a few weeks you know we never heard back from it uh and then uh at one point i got a, a phone call from my agent and usually all our communications via email right so i got a phone call from my agent so it was pretty urgent, right? And she says, hey, you remember that tape you did for the show Shots Fired? They were interested in you. Are you available to travel to North Carolina today to work tomorrow? Uh, so it was very oh quick. So, you know, I really didn't understand too much about, you know, how the casting process worked and, and stuff like that for film and TV yet. Um, but now thinking back on it, most likely the scenario probably was they had cast someone and then something fell through, right? Yeah. Somebody either they backed out or that person got fired or whatever. Something must have happened because there's no way they're waiting till the day before to cast this role. So <laughs> probably they had to go to their backup option. Um, so, of course, I said, yeah, I'll find a way. I'll find a way to get down there. I'll, I'll, I'll be there. Um, and, and then she told me, my agent, she told me that, OK, well, you are they're interested in you. They haven't booked you yet. So I, I can't tell you your book, but just like start looking and see, you know, make plans or whatever, and I'll be in touch. And I said, all right, that's cool. I'll start looking into it. Start looking into flights and all that type of stuff from Cleveland to uh, to Charlotte. And uh, long story short, it got all the way up until like that, that I got the call in the morning by mid afternoon. Um, she called and she was like, look, they still haven't, they, they still haven't decided yet. Oh um, but, um, I mean, you know, this, that, that it has to go through all these like approvals, right. Yeah. The, for, for yeah. a, for a TV show, especially a network TV show it has to go through all these approvals. So she's my agent, like, kind of had to explain all this to me. I didn't know, understand how it all worked yet. And she said that, uh, uh, the director and the producers, uh, you are their choice, but, you know, it has to go to network for executives to sign off or whatever. And she, she said that, you know, normally that's a formality, but technically you're not booked yet. So I can't tell you you're booked. I'm just like, this is the information I have for you. You do with it, with it, what you will. Right. So I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to buy the plane ticket and just figure out because the plane was going to be in like two hours or something. So I go onto the website to, to buy the plane ticket. And I guess if you're within two hours, you can't buy the plane ticket. You can't buy the ticket online anymore. You have to go to the airport and then buy it at the gate. <laughs> so then I was like, all right. And so I just drove to the airport and eventually I ended up having to get on the plane and turn off my phone without knowing that I was booked yet. Uh, and it was finally after I, uh, after the plane landed, I turned my phone back on. I got the voicemail that says you're, you got, the, got the part. Uh, so that, that was kind of crazy. And then it gets even crazier. Cause I eventually, you know, I get to the, uh, my hotel room at night. It's around 11 PM at this point. I had been 
reading my audition sides because that's all I had. But now that I'm booked, I got new lines, uh, of course, uh, for the Absolutely. next morning. <laughs> and now I'm going through those new lines. And then I get the call sheet around midnight and they, I look at the call sheet and it's uh, Helen Hunt and Richard Dreyfus and myself. So you got these <laughs> two Oscar winners and me and just the three of us. <laughs> uh, and I play I play his attorney in the scene. And that was just, you know, already being so crazy nervous uh, for being on my first TV show. And then of course, working with these two Oscar winners, it was, um, it was an insane experience. So I wasn't like at, during the experience, I wasn't really, I don't know. I was like probably blacked out the whole day. (laughs) I couldn't even (laughs) think about uh, what was going on. I was just trying to like most of uh, my brain capacity was just thinking about don't screw up, don't screw up, don't screw up, uh, because you're working with these powerhouse actors. But luckily, it turned out uh, pretty good. And has that feeling? Because I, I guess I could say, or, or you and I both know that being on a set with performers of that caliber, when you are relatively fresh to the industry, you have that that surreal wave. You know that blackout that you're just talking about has that gone away? Because you know you've been in projects like Black Widow, like Venom. You know all these really big projects. Do you still have that? Uh, I almost want to call it like a shaky hand syndrome, where you just kind of tuck your hand in your pocket and you're acting cool, but at the same time you know where you are. <laughs> has that yeah. gone away, or is it still it's, pretty present? No, it's gone away to an extent. It now, luckily, it's gone on. It's gone away when the cameras are rolling. So oh, I feel perfect. like now once once we start working into the scene, I feel like that no matter who it is I'm working with now, it feels like, you know, I'm at work. Oh, my dog's <laughs> popping in here. Um, I feel like uh, I feel like, yeah, I'm at work and, and let's get let's get rolling. Right. Um, no pun intended. But um, <laughs> I, I still have felt even recently when I've been on set and I see. You know, uh, when I just see the person I'm working with, if it's a, you know, big star or something like that, or just, you know, not necessarily star, but maybe just an uh, uh, actor that I admire and I really like their work. You know, I've been following them for a long time. The first time I see them, uh, um, I might, you know, feel feel those nerves a little bit when I just yeah. first see them. Uh, but once we start blocking the scene, rehearsing and then and then start actually playing then those feelings are all gone. It's just like, all right, let's get into it. Yeah. You get into that natural rhythm and you're, I mean, yeah. obviously that's, that's the sign of a professional. You're not, you're not incredibly intimidated. Yeah. Uh, and I can't really think of the, like when that happened, like I, yeah. I can't really think of a pinpoint of uh, X amount of years or X <laughs> a number of projects or which one it is. But I just know that now it feels a lot more, feel a lot more comfortable uh, on set and and working in those environments with, you know, a famous director or a famous actor or something like that. Yeah, and it's it's funny talking about this because uh, you know, looking at your resume, you see this huge just boost in in roles and projects. And I I wonder because this happened to me earlier this year. Have you been pinned in something or it could be a, a slew of projects that that didn't work out? You don't have to say what the project was, but have you been, you know, say it's a, a recurring role on a TV show or, you know, a major role in a film. Uh, what was that experience like if you experienced it? Because I know a lot of uh, actor friends of mine who've gone through it and they still don't know how to quantify, <laughs> you know, exactly how to feel. But uh, have you gone through that that whole pinning process before? 
yeah, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> uh, the pinning is the worst because it's like, you're just, um, I feel like I've got, I definitely got, I've gotten to the point where, you know, a lot of acting teachers will say, you know, what, after the audition, do your best to forget about it. Right. Um, because the more that you kind of stew on it, the, the, the worse you're going to feel. Um, so I've gotten really good at just like, after I turn in my audition, I've just, I forget about it as best I can. But then once you're pinned, you're like, Oh yeah, really close, you know? Um, and then for those next few, sometimes it's a few days, sometimes it's weeks that you're pinned for. Um, and it can be, it can be pretty, uh, uh, horrible. Um, the, there, there have been, uh, there have been times where it's worked out. There have been times that definitely where I've um, after being pinned for a long time and then you lose it and you feel terrible. But uh, uh, some of the more memorable ones, like I was I was originally pinned for Venom for a bigger role for. Um, oh, no uh, so it, it wasn't necessarily a, like a really big role, but the, the, the role worked a lot of days. So um, if you remember the. Um, the corporation that uh, Riz Ahmed's character uh, worked at, right? Yeah. He's the billionaire Elon Musk type of dude, right? And uh, Jenny Slate was his like lead scientist. And then working for Jenny Slate were these uh, two other scientist oh, characters yeah. that like, they had a few lines each. It wasn't a lot, but they were with her they throughout like there. the whole movie. Yeah. Kind of like what we did what they had us do for Black Widow that, but they cut out most of our scenes yeah. for Black Widow. <laughs> but, but, but kind of in that vein, uh, that's the role that I read for. And then when I got pinned, I was like, holy crap, like this is huge. And then when I got the offer, it was for the role that I, I got. And it was weird because then it was like such a letdown. Had I originally read for that role, you know, and then got the offer of that role, I would have been like celebrating like crazy. But then because I read for a bigger role, got pinned for it. And then instead they, that went to somebody else, but they offered me this other much smaller, you know, one day, one yeah. line role. It was like, it's a weird letdown when I booked that movie <laughs> um, on the day. After a while, I got over it and I was like, oh, it's super exciting to work on Venom and everything like that. But um, but yeah, I've gotten pinned for some other things that would have been, that would have been amazing. I got pinned for a pilot one time and uh for a character that's totally off brand for me because i'm usually like the corporate guy suit and tie mm. guy and and this one was more blue collar um and uh trying to steal trying to um uh steal away the wife of some other you know prominent character and i was like oh this is cool like i that's never get awesome. to play these types of characters and i got pinned for it and i was like it was a long time at least a week and I remember being at the grocery store, like shopping. And then I see an email come through and it says you're released from the pin. Oh. And I'm just like in the middle of the aisle, of the grocery store, I just like put my head down on the <laughs> shopping cart <laughs> and just like standing there for a while uh, to, to get over it. But yeah, you know, those things happen and it's uh, I don't think they get any easier to deal with. No, no. And I, I think I, I was telling a friend the other day that, you know, being pinned, released from the pin is, is like, 
depending on how much time has gone by, if it's a day, you know, you're not really bugged by it, but if it's a couple of weeks, it's like being yeah. dumped by all of your past partners all at once, <laughs> yes. you know, <laughs> With yeah. No, yeah. no prior history of that. So what, I mean, obviously this, this is your career. This is what you're, you're focusing on, but what do you have that sort of keeps you sane? Obviously you have a, you have a dog with you. So I'm sure that that yeah. tears you up from time to time, but do you have any hobbies or things you like to do to kind of take your mind away from the, you know, the hustle and bustle of this business? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question because I, that's something that I talk about a lot is um, making sure that you have a life outside of the industry. Cause it can be, you know, you can definitely get sucked in and, and be 24 seven all about the industry, but that can really send you down in a, into a uh, downward spiral, especially if you're not booking, you know, then like everything is a negative thought at that point. Um, and even when you are booking, it's like, sometimes it could just be, you know, I'm not booking enough. Right. Like there, <laughs> there, there, there's always like potential negative thoughts that can go, go into your brain, uh, with this industry. So I feel like having, um, having as much of a work life balance as you can. And it's it, weird to talk because it's definitely talked about in the corporate world a lot, but they don't really talk about it with, um, you know, artistic type careers um, because it's kind of like, well, this is following your passion. So you should, you know, do it all the time. But, you know, for acting, it, it definitely can help to have stuff outside of it um, to balance everything out. For me, I've always just like tried to find things um, that have either uh, completely outside of the industry or sometimes just uh, just slightly outside, even like the YouTube stuff has been, you know, I'm still talking about acting, but it's stuff that I have more control over, right? I'm not waiting for somebody to send me an audition or to book me on anything. I can spend time doing that as much as I want to. Um, I've also been, uh, you know, just getting together with friends and playing tennis or doing, you know, going out and um, going on hikes and stuff like that to get away from everything. I recently, um, earlier this year, started taking flying lessons because it's been something I've been wanting to do since I was a teenager. Um, oh, really? But it's been hard because uh, trying to fit it into my schedule, um, I've had to take weeks off uh, because if I'm filming something, especially if they're long days, I don't want to go like sleep deprived into my next day's <laughs> flying lesson. Right. So I'll end up doing, taking like a week or two off and then go back to take another lesson. And then I've forgotten a bunch of stuff. And um, so it's, it's been, it's been fun, but it's been kind of like, not what I expected in terms of like what I was going to get out of it a little bit, but I, I just got, I think I just got to manage the, my own expectations of, cause I thought it would be going along a little bit quicker, but I'm also not uh, learning at the same pace as like the students that are there every day. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's been kind of interesting, but yeah, I definitely do like consciously do try to make an effort to do some stuff out of sight of the industry that, um, takes my mind out of it. And, uh, you know, other things that, that bring you joy outside of the acting world. So when you say, I just, I, I love, you know, the idea of flying, I've flown once. Um, mm -hmm. Are you, when you say you're taking flying lessons, is it in a tiny Cessna or are you just, you're looking for a private, okay, so tiny, yeah. <laughs> tiny plane, not like a private jet sort of situation? No, because I feel like, um, yeah, I think you have to learn on the small ones, right? Yeah. Um, like you first, you have to learn on a single engine before you have to, before you can 
uh, start learning any double engine type of uh, planes um, or anything even more powerful single engines. So yeah, I've, I've done all of my stuff in a, a Cessna 172. I think I'm up to like 20 hours now. Um, nice. So I've done a good amount. My landings still suck. <laughs> so, and I, I mean, part of it is just that I just haven't done enough of them. Yeah. You know, I, I do need to go out and, and just do more and just do repetition and keep practicing. Um, but I've, uh, haven't found, haven't been able to have the time to like go out and do it. And then as far as like trying to get my private pilot's license and do all of that stuff, I do have to do all the, uh, the studying and read the books and do the oh, ground man. school and all that. So adding all that on top of like my auditions and any jobs that I do book and that I'm working on, it ends up like I have been a little bit, um, you know, burnt out by it, which was not yeah. the intention of taking flying lessons. I didn't want to like burn myself out. I wanted like something to take my mind, you know, uh, off of into something new. So that's why I've been kind of easing back a little bit right now. Yeah. I guess the last thing you want is to be on a prime time show and all of a sudden your dialogue goes directly into, you know, the breakdown of what an altimeter does. Yeah. <laughs> you know? start, tra- Just- start talking about air traffic control. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that that's cool that you have you have those hobbies you have those things that are that are kind of keeping you at bay and I I think you've addressed it on your your YouTube channel Acting Career Center but when did that come up when you decided to start sharing your information everything you learned uh, on YouTube was that something that just kind of came out of happenstance or was that sort of a goal you had to do that for a year and just kind of see how it goes I will I actually started my YouTube channel in twenty. 15 or maybe 2014 it was while i was still living in cleveland um what what sparked an interest in that was i had seen i don't know if you remember or if you've seen um amy joe berman um yeah she's and so she's got a youtube channel and she's had it forever um and she was probably the first like acting coach that had a youtube channel and she was the only one there for a while and i remember seeing some of her stuff uh back when i was living in cleveland and she has got wonderful stuff because she lives out in la right and she's yeah. a former hbo casting director but i thought that i could bring something to it because i was living in ohio and amy's stuff was 100 percent like geared towards hollywood actors right so I was like, let me start a channel called Small Market Actor uh, to talk about like what you could do when you're not living in L.A., when you're living in, in a random city like Cleveland and like how you could potentially do local commercials or corporate training videos or things like that. Like there is a market for actors in these small cities that most people don't know about. Like, for instance, I didn't know about when I first started taking acting classes. Um, I thought everything was made in Hollywood, right? So that was the original intent of the YouTube channel uh, way back in 2015. And then, um, but I wasn't consistent with it. I made like five videos in five years or something. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I didn't put out that much content. And, um, and then when I did move to Atlanta, uh, I got kind of, I got a little bit more busy with my acting career and stuff like that. So then I kind of stopped. Um, but it's always been in the back of my mind to start making more YouTube videos, especially when I started booking more film and TV, I was like, Oh, I got even more, more stuff to talk about and cooler things to talk about. Um, but then I never really did until 2020 and then the pandemic happened. I was, I had nothing to do. And I was like the, you know, it was a really silver lining for me for the pandemic was gave me time to really start that over again. I rebranded it 
um, from small market actor to acting career center and started talking more about getting into the film and TV industry. Um, and uh, this was when, you know, this was when we thought the pandemic was going to be like two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and then it, it kept going for longer and longer. And so I just kept making more and more videos and got into a good like little rhythm to the point where when things started opening up again, um, and I started auditioning again, I still kind of had my little routine and was able to continue to do the videos, um, and, and keep it going. So yeah, it's been going for, I guess, over a year now, uh, since I restarted and it's grown a ton in that, in that year. Like I, I started with uh, a few thousand, uh, subscribers, uh, in 2020 when I decided to start over again. Oh, so it was like def cool. definitely, definitely less than 10,000. And, uh, and so now it's grown to about 90 it's probably, yeah. it's like, uh, probably ex expected to hit a hundred K in the next couple months or so. Jeez. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's definitely grown at a really fast pace. Unexpected. I didn't, I didn't think it would grow like this quickly, but I'm super happy about it. It's been really cool and really yeah, fun I mean, ride. You're offering up incredible information in five minutes where, you know, those, who don't have the attention span to sit down and read, you know, maybe something yeah. by Ivana Chubbuck or you know, yeah. the, the miser technique, they can learn, you know, uh, bits of information here and there on YouTube, which is great. Uh, you share so many, you know, stories on that channel, but uh, on this podcast, we like to ask uh, all of our guests, if they have a party story, they'd like to share uh, essentially party story being maybe the best day you had on set or the best experience, or maybe the worst experience you've ever had all names redacted, but it's still kind of funny yeah. to, to tell your friends and family about. So do you have any stories you're, uh, you're open to sharing? Yeah. I don't know if I've um, talked about this one on my channel at all. And it's definitely uh, people, people in the industry would appreciate it more uh, rather than like, I, I wouldn't, talk about it at a party with just like people that are not <laughs> actors or not in the industry because they would probably wouldn't really understand what I was talking about yeah. but uh before I moved to Atlanta I I was um there was a show there was actually an Atlanta tv show called Survivor's Remorse oh, um yeah. that was it was filmed in Georgia and LeBron James was an executive producer on that show because it was loosely Part of it was loosely based on his life as a, a up and coming young basketball player. Right. Um, so LeBron was an executive producer on the show. There was one episode of Survivor, Survivor's Remorse where they wanted to um, bring the show or they wanted to bring LeBron on as a guest star um, and have him play poker with the uh, main characters of the show. And he's uh, and he's playing himself, obviously. And. So they decided to shoot that episode or at least that scene, maybe not the whole episode, but they decided to shoot that scene up in Akron, Ohio, where LeBron lives. And, you know, instead of bringing LeBron down to Georgia, they bring a whole show up to him. <laughs> Perks of being him, right? Right. Uh, so when we got up or when when the show goes up there to, to shoot, um, there was a casting director in Cleveland who knows me and she reached out to me and she says, hey, this, this show's coming into town. Do you want to be a stand in? For one of the characters, apparently there's uh, there was an Asian actor who's one of the series regulars on the show, and she asked me to be a stand-in for him. Um, and I'd never been a been a stand-in before, and I'd never been on a TV set before, and I never met LeBron James before because that was the thing too. She's like, LeBron's going to be in this episode, and I was like, Oh yeah, totally. All of those <laughs> things sound amazing, right? Um, so I agreed to do it. Uh, I go on set that day, 
And I think there were six people in this poker scene. Um, so they had six of us local actors in Cleveland uh, that were stand-ins for all these, the cast members on this show. And uh, so we all get there and they put us in our little holding area, which I think was right next to Crafty, which is always nice. So we're just like sitting there eating snacks and like chatting with each other, the six of us. And at one point, the uh, uh, one of the PAs comes in and, and looks for second team because they're ready to, to use us. None of us had been stand-ins before. So none of us had heard the term second team. <laughs> And the PA didn't know exactly who she was looking for. She just, somebody, right, somebody told her to go find second team. She comes into the room and she says, hey, we're looking for second team. And we just ignored her. Um, and so, so since nobody <laughs> responded to her, she left. And then like a five minutes later, she comes back again. And she looks us dead in the eye. And she's like, hey, do you guys know where second team is? And we shook our heads no. And she ends up leaving again. And then finally, you know, somebody who is uh, like, who knew, who knew us, like came in. It was like, you guys get over here <laughs> and, and finally pulled us through. But that's, a, it was kind of like a perfect storm of like, when, when would it be, you know, possible where you get six people there and none of them had been stand-ins before and none of them had heard the term before, you know? <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was, that was interesting. Um, but uh but yeah, other than that, still got to like meet LeBron and be on a TV show set and everything else after that went really smoothly. But that was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> hey, you know what? I feel like that happens on at least every single production, maybe once or twice, depending on. Because they never for. tell you like nobody, no. tell, nobody teaches you the lingo. Yeah. Uh, there's no class to learn the lingo, at least not for actors, I don't think. Yeah, I would have thought second team was second unit. So oh, yeah. that's not us. We're fine. We're eating right. Mike and Ike's. We're good. Yeah. I don't <laughs> even know what we thought. We just heard like, uh, like we would have responded to stand-ins, right? Yeah. yeah but exactly. why do they, why do they book us as stand-ins and then on set call a second team? Why don't you book us as second team? So we know that that's the correct terminology. I'm hoping they change that on the, on that particular show for, you know, future episodes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know we're uh, we're running kind of short on time for you, but I just have two more questions I wanted to ask you. Uh, yeah, first of which, being, uh, you've given so much advice to to actors through your YouTube channel uh, and through social media. But do you have a piece of advice for anybody who's looking to work in the arts industry or maybe they're kind of struggling to, to stay in it? Do you have a piece of advice you could pass along? Um, I, I think, you know, we already kind of touched on it as finding, finding the joy of your life outside of the industry, I think is really, really important. Um, because, you know, if you're looking for, especially acting, right, if you're looking for your acting career to be the, the sole uh, provider <laughs> of your happiness, uh, it's, it's such a roller coaster that, you know, you're you're riding that emo emotional roller coaster and you're going to be a mess uh, if that's if you're tying, you know, you're tying your emotions to the way that your acting career is going, even if it's going well, like if it's going, quote unquote, well, like uh, really good actors are booking like 15 percent of their auditions. Right. So that's like 85 percent of the time you're getting rejected. So it's not really a, like a good recipe for like just overall happiness. <laughs> Uh, right. So, true. <laughs> so the more that you can, the more that you can find like stuff in, in your life that, that, uh, you know, that feeds your soul, 
outside of the career or not even outside of the career like even uh, you could do you know if you're a writer if you you like to write you know things that you have more control over I guess is what I'm trying to say uh from an acting standpoint there's so little that we can control right whether or not we get auditions whether or not we book the job like all of this stuff is dependent on other people's decisions whereas you know, if you are a writer or you are a filmmaker or you like things that you can actually, you know, uh, take initiative and do, um, then, you know, you could provide your own happiness if that's what, you know, if that's something that brings you joy. Uh, for me, like doing the YouTube stuff, um, taking flight lessons occasionally, <laughs> uh, you know, that type of stuff does, uh, does bring me uh, joy outside of the industry so and that's not to say that, like the industry itself you know can't provide you joy but just don't rely on it a hundred percent for that and also like financially too right I, I oh mean, god yeah <laughs> more that you can also find stuff outside of um, outside of the industry that uh, can provide for you financially so that you're not tied to it a hundred percent um to like, oh, I got to book this job to pay rent. Like that's going to be, that's, that's horrible for your, um, for your psyche when you go into an audition, because you're not focused on the work of the character. You're thinking about the financial side of things. And that's, you know, you're probably not going to book it because of that. So um, that's another huge can of worms to, to tackle. Oh God, yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so like for, for those two reasons, I think finding stuff outside of the industry to, 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 um, help you both mentally and financially is um, in the long run going to be super beneficial for any actor's career. Yeah. That, that it can only help you not have a complete mental breakdown even a year in <laughs> Yeah, if you're trying to do this. And yeah. uh, you know, we, we've talked about the actors uh, I'm sorry, the acting career center. Uh, but is there anything you have going on in your life that you'd like to have us promote in this episode? I'm wondering, I was just wondering if you could like catch the audio of my dog licking my face. <laughs> just a little bit. I we let the, I, uh, yeah, I guess we should let the listeners know that is a dog licking his face. Yeah. Uh, it's not just ASMR mouth sounds, we promise. Right, and I'm not just like licking my own hand and cleaning myself <laughs> like a cat. Uh, what was your question? I forgot it. <laughs> if you, outside of the Acting Career Center, is there anything you'd like us to promote in your episode? Oh, uh uh, um what do i got coming up <laughs> you've uh, been really busy yeah but it's hard like i know like some of the more recent stuff i'm under nda for so i can't talk about it so like what is what is coming out that i can uh oh well i mean there, there's so there's a show that i worked on um but you know you and i both know until it comes out, we have no idea if we're going to be in it. Like it'll, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's chances that it'll be cut. Um, but uh, I, I really like the show, so I'm going to watch it regardless. Some, you know, some stuff. If I know I'm not in, I'm like, ah, screw it, screw right. that show. <laughs> I don't want to watch it anymore. But this one, like whether or not uh, I'm in it, it's, it's an interesting uh, show for me, uh, and I'm probably going to watch it. It's a, it's called Dope Sick, and it oh, comes out. Yeah. I think. I think it comes out next month on Hulu. Okay. Um, and it's about the opioid pandemic um, or opioid crisis um, over the past few decades. And uh, it's uh, Michael Keaton is the the lead in that show. Yeah. And 
Um, so I had a small role on there. Hopefully it's still in there, but I'm promoting it regardless of, of whether or not I'm in there. Hopefully the fact that I'm promoting it is good karma. And, and I would uh, say so. Yeah, it looks like a great show. Keep me in. Yeah, it, 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 it does. It looks like they're, they're doing a really good, um, like it's not documentary style, mm-hmm. but you know, it's still a good, like dramatic telling of, um, how horrible the opioid crisis was and how um how badly like the public was lied to by the corporations that were like trying to push um yeah yeah, push the prescriptions and they go into like pretty um uh deep details of you know the conspiracies of like they they just making up making up statistics and things like that to to make the drug seem like a miracle drug and they pushed it like a miracle drug and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, I remember I read for so many characters on the show and I'd seen so many sets of sides that I was like, Oh, I, I feel like I know the entire show uh, by now. And, uh, but, and it's, it's like so compelling that uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And I think uh, a lot of people really enjoy that. Oh yeah. I know we're all looking forward to it too. And I, I can't wait to watch it. Hopefully they, they keep you in there. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put <laughs> the good crossing. karma out there. Yeah. <laughs> so Kurt, I thank you so much for, for coming on here, man. I, uh, I usually we have a, a quick spiel from my, my co-host and myself, but all I'm going to say is you guys know what to do. If uh, you like this podcast, give us a five-star rating on Apple iTunes and we'll send you a sticker and a thank you card, as long as you provide us the necessary information through email. So please email us at pwrp.pod at gmail.com. That's pwrp.pod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to be on this show, whether you're an arts worker or somebody trying to get into the industry, We'd love to talk to you. And Mr. Kurt, I will also reach out to you because all of our guests get a thank you card and a uh, sticker as well. I almost said sticky note. I'll send a sticky note too. Why not? Send both. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I'll send both. Uh, But with every episode, we like to close it out with an awkward goodbye. I'm going to get the Wayne's World countdown from three. And then we're just going to go into a straight audio-based awkward goodbye. You ready for that? I am 100% ready. All right. All right. And... Uh, see ya. See you later.